It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Life's a Beach Realty, we're all about life on the beach. Stunning Panama City Beach and one of the most beautiful properties on the Gulf Coast. Shores of Panama. Radiant, elegant, and spectacular. Steps away from white sugar sand. Every room overlooks the turquoise of the Gulf of Mexico. Come in for your tour today. Life's a Beach Realty is your gateway to Shores of Panama. The Shores and a whole lot more. Hello again, everybody. I'm Al Keck, and here's hoping that you are safe and that you are healthy during these crazy, crazy times. And with that, an official welcome to the very first Al Keck show right here on BucksReport.com. We are on Facebook Live. We are on the Landry Football Network. We are on Instagram. We are on YouTube. You name it, we are on it tonight. And we will talk Buccaneer football. We will talk everything that is Buccaneer football. We have the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneer Radio Network, we have one Mr. T.J. Reeves. We will get to him in just a second. We also have my son, Kyle Keck. He will talk NFL stuff from around the league and a lot of the news going on right now around the NFL. And also, we have a fun guest tonight. And this is really, it, it, over the years, it's become one of my favorite segments. We have talked so much about Tom Brady and what's going to go on with Tom Brady. Does he still have an arm? Can he still be what he was with the New England Patriots? And we've looked at every possible thing about Tom Brady that there is, except for one. What do the stars say about Tom Brady? We have an astrologer, Janet Scalish. You know her from local radio and local TV here in the Tampa Bay area. She will be with us. She is a huge football fan, a huge Bucks fan, and over the years, I've used her a lot to get ready for an upcoming season, and I will tell you about some of the successes that she has had with that, and it'll just be a fun hour here. We're here with Peter Blake. As usual, he is kind of saving my bacon. 
does it all the time. He's going to do it again tonight. He's producing. He's making all this stuff work. Bottom line, we're going to bring you and get you ready for the upcoming NFL season and all the games that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will play this season. How's that for optimism, huh? We believe there will be a season, the NFL somehow, some way, will make it happen. Now, even on a night like tonight, when everybody is talking about the new deal for Patrick Mahomes, $503 million on a 10-year contract. Now, to put that into perspective, remember, he just finished year number three. He won a Super Bowl. He was able to get that huge contract and create a new going rate for quarterbacks, big-time quarterbacks in the National Football League. And what's that mean for Tom Brady, the GOAT? Okay. While Mahomes is staring at $45, $50 million a year here in a couple of years, uh, the GOAT this year, $25 million this year, $25 million next year. So you can see the bargain the Buccaneers are getting by getting the GOAT, the greatest of all time, for nearly half the going rate of one of the top quarterbacks in football, what they are getting when it comes to salary. You don't think the Buccaneers are going to send a little thank you note to the Kansas City Chiefs and say, thank you so much for putting this off a little bit (laughs) and not signing him very early in the free agent process because that would have bumped the price up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like you would not believe. All right. Again, we have dissected everything on Tom Brady. We've dissected everything there is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because we haven't had any games. We haven't had any OTAs. We haven't had any practices to talk about. We haven't had anything. Now, Tom Brady continues to have his guys work out at Berkeley Prep and have fun there and start to understand this offense a little more, but he hasn't done anything official for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And even today and yesterday, Bruce Arians has had to answer a whole lot of questions about how all this is going to work. How will training camp work? And Bruce Arians makes it very clear. He's a three-time cancer survivor. So he has had some health issues. And again, at 67, this may not be the smartest deal for him to be involved in this season because he has had some health issues. Despite that, he says having Tom Brady on this team is worth all the risk And he expects a lot of his players to get sick. It's all about how they handle this and how they're able to get through training camp and get ready for that season opening game at New Orleans and Drew Brees in week number one. All right. Leading off tonight, sideline reporter for the Buccaneer Radio Network, TJ Reeves. TJ, every game you give us the latest as to what's going on on that sideline. Uh, what's going on with injuries, uh, who's going in, who's coming out, what it looks like. Uh, you have to be extremely excited for this upcoming season. Hey, it is always great to be with you and catch up with you, Al Keck, under all circumstances. And it is a crazy time for sure for Buccaneer fans. I know we're all anxious to get this underway. I keep getting Uh, inundated i'm sure you do as well with uh, what do we know what do we know about training camp what do we know about the preseason when are we going to get to see tom brady as you mentioned and rob gronkowski in buccaneer colors at a practice at a game we're just taking it one step at a time the only thing we know right now is that we don't know 
I keep saying that. We don't know. We don't know when it's going to all begin. But you're right. I'm anxious for all of this to get underway. And I would submit to you, because we were around uh, together at this time, this is the most eagerly anticipated off-season build-up to a season since the team traded for John Gruden, correct? I mean, that's the second – that that's the top reference point right now. This may have surpassed that in terms of national interest, but the only other thing I can compare it to is when the Bucks made that middle-of-the-night trade, two number ones, two number twos, $8 million for a coach, Al. That's the kind of deal we would make for Al Keck. But they made the deal for John Gruden. That's the only thing that compares in terms of, of offseason. Well, and now remember, John Gruden also said, and he'd always make this very clear, but I'm one of people's all-time most beautiful people. So I've been in that, uh, I've been in that magazine. And at that time, I had never seen an area fall in love with a coach or with a personality or what he could do for this football team until we get a chance to see really what Tom Brady can do and the possibilities on this. Now, you mentioned it, how the national shows every single day there's something about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on ESPN or Fox. With that in mind, do you have any idea how confident the Glazers are that they will get this season in? Well, uh, believe it or not, uh, and you, you've done a lot of work in and around Buccaneers Radio, and, and fans want to know, they want information. The Glazers aren't sharing this with me. Believe it or not, we are not in communication. We did not have breakfast this morning on exactly what the timeline is. I know everybody's eager. I'm just like you guys. I'm, I'm waiting to see what the league says. I'm waiting to see what the what the Bucks say uh, in terms of, of preseason and in terms of the regular season. Um, everybody's just got to stay tuned for that. But yes, there, everybody in that building figuratively, which they've not literally been able to be back in the building until the last two or three weeks when phase two opened here in the state of Florida and the coaches could begin to come back in. Uh, players have not been able to come back in as of yet, but that's coming later here uh, in July to come back in and be able to meet and how many of them can meet and when do you start having practice and seven on seven and 11 on 11. So it's kind of in steps and stages. But yeah, everybody, everybody is excited uh, here at this point. And we'll, we'll come to understand what's allowed from a league standpoint on fans, how many fans, things like that. Uh, the one thing I will say, it's going to have to be uniform across the board. Again, Roger Goodell is not consulting with me out there. But it seems to me that you got to have either nobody has fans, which no one wants, or a system in place where a certain number of fans agreed upon, whatever it is, can be at games. And we'll, we'll wait to see. And may, it may be as, as much as half the capacity. It could be three-quarters capacity, socially distanced, depending on who it is. I don't know. Again, they're not checking with me. But um, I would have to believe for the fan part of this that they're exploring every option and every opportunity to have some fans at least there. So let's stay tuned and have hope for that. You're absolutely right there. You know, I – really get the impression that the National Football League has done this or will do this better than any other pro sports league. I mean, we've seen the ups and downs of baseball. The National Hockey League just announced that they're basically have an agreement set to get play started again. Uh, the NBA will be showing up very shortly in Orlando. So the National Football League will do whatever, whatever it can to make as much money as it can to make sure that this season is on 
as close to on time as possible and getting some people in the stands. I want to talk about your job now. Uh, Bruce Arians, you're on the sidelines. You interview him when he comes off at halftime. What's he like? Is he as intense as he appears to be? Yes. The answer is yes. And we've had, uh, you know, all different versions because as you know, he didn't ask anybody, but Tony Dungy would stand there with the arms folded and you couldn't tell if the Bucks were up by two touchdowns or down by two touchdowns. Then you went from that extreme and we mentioned him already to John Gruden. And you knew exactly what he thought about everything because he wore it all on his sleeve and, and from uh, the emotion and, and the language, you knew what was going on. And then, and then it kind of has ebbed and flowed with, with other coaches and other uh, situations. With Bruce, he's a lot like John Gruden in that regard. You're going to know right where he stands. He is letting the officials have it in a lot of ways. And now you've done a lot of basketball play-by-play, -play, and I've done a lot of basketball too. you got coaches that love to work the refs because they're right there in proximity by the bench. It's the same thing for the head coach in pro football. Bruce Arians is working those refs almost from the pregame warm-up. He may be working them at the hotel the night before on watch this, call this, look out for that. And if they don't call it and they're not watching it, he's all over them. But I will further say, too, you won't meet a more accommodating, engaging guy, uh, especially away from the field, the interview situation. I, I thoroughly enjoy getting to interact and deal with him as we did last season. and look forward to getting to do that in whatever form or fashion. I have to accept the fact, and a great deal of the media is going to have to accept the fact, that it's not going to be the same in terms of the access, in terms of being able to interview face-to-face, -face, maybe right up next to them, the, that, that situation is different right now with social distancing. We've got to figure that out as we move forward in this weird 2020 year. And those days may be gone forever. You just don't know. Maybe. And yeah, we don't know. It could be very, very different coming up uh, from here on. Uh, as far as when you interviewed him coming off at halftime, and maybe Jameis Winston threw a pick or made a bad pass there in that first half, late in the first half. Were you able to sense his frustration with Jameis, or was he able to kind of keep his cool, stay with where he needed to be as a head coach? And how was he during that time in the heat of battle? Well, it's, it varied. I mean, it would depend on are you losing because of what happened, which was, which was happening sometimes at halftime. There were times in which – he had, he had made a mistake, but he'd also had a great first half. And so you're trying to get the positive out of him. Uh, a lot of times it was something with the officials or what had just happened just before halftime. I, I remember there was one game uh, a year ago, and I'm trying to remember at the end of the first half of this game, Tony Corrente was the referee. Um, and, and Tony Corrente basically was allowing whoever the opponent was. I'm trying to remember who the game was off the top of my head at the end of the first half. They were at the far end, at the north end zone. They didn't have a timeout. Uh, and and Corinthi did something to help them stop the clock and get a play run, uh, whatever it was. And he wasn't supposed to help them know to do that or know how to stop the clock or know the rule. And Arians' point was, you're not supposed to help them. And I'm not using the colorful language, Alkek, on Buck's report, that he was getting his point across you're not supposed to something, something help them. And this continued while I was walking with him. And then he, he kind of let it go for a second and talked to me. And then when he came around in that tunnel in the southwest corner of the end zone, that's where the referee's locker room is. And Corinthi was still standing out there. And then round two happened. 
off the air and away from everybody, where he once again wanted to make sure that Corinthi not only understood himself, but he better let somebody know in New York that you, the ref, are not supposed to help them with how they get the clock stopped or when they can challenge or whatever that was at the end of the half. Uh, because that was his point. He was screwed. I saw security guards' eyes get this big. But again, he's working them for later in the game as well. I understood that part of it. So just to give you a little peek back on what it is with Coach Arians. Love, love him, love the intensity, and he's great to deal with. Now, how was he compared to Dirk Cutter and Lovey Smith? Cutter would be the same way, more so than Lovey. Uh, Cutter would light guys up, referees coming off the field too. I mean, I remember a specific incident uh, where they had messed up the timing at the end of the first half. Something had happened. They had not stopped the clock when they should have. And I'm trying to do the radio interview live, as you know, walking with a with a wireless microphone. And I'm saying off the air to my boss, uh, hey, he is destroying them right now about not stopping the clock. We got to wait for a minute. And then I always have to remind them, hey, we are live on Buccaneers Radio. Before you say whatever it is that you're about to say next, kind of switch over, switch off here and do this. Lovey was a lot like Tony Dungy. I mean, you, you would see him get aggravated here and there, but it was never it was never the same, and different coaches do it different ways. I mean, Tom Landry won, just like Tony Dungy, a certain way, a way that Mike Ditka and Bill Parcells and, and moving forward now to, to John Gruden winning a Super Bowl here, Bruce Arians, who's had a lot of success, different way, different volume level, different language, and different ways. Believe me, try Ray Perkins. You know, <laughs> get that experience sometime. And it right, was, I remember. You know, the day. Oh man, Ray Perkins. If they were losing, or if he lost a game, it was. I'll take it. Just beat on me. I deserve it. I, you know, I, I brought this on myself. That's if they're losing. If they're winning, his favorite line was, "Oh, really." How long have you coached in the National Football League? <laughs> and he, I mean, he, he could make your life miserable. Now, you know this team. You know a lot of the guys on this team. It's a younger team. It's a team that played fairly well at the end of last year. How will they react to Tom Brady? And can Tom Brady lead this football team? That's the that is the question, and I think we have a very good expectation that yes, I mean this team is ready to win. That's no exaggerating. I know that I can be viewed as slanted or biased, but when you talk about the weapons with Evans and Godwin and Howard and Brate and Gronkowski added to it, and Ronald Jones in the backfield, the draft picks they got, and you look at a defense that had Shaq Barrett be one of the great surprises last year in the NFL in free agency in terms of, of, of uh, breaking the Buccaneers' single-season sack record, leading the NFL in sacks last year. Indomitian uh, Sue and Vita Vea also on that defensive line. Jason Pierre-Paul, Levante David. Stop, stop me, Al. You haven't stopped me yet. Stop me when there's a player not to get excited about. Devin White uh, in the middle of that defense. Um, there, there are a lot of reasons uh, to look at this roster and say, ready to win. And now you have a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer with not one, not two, but six Super Bowl wins, been in the playoffs every year except for the one year that he tore the knee up in the first game of the season. That's the only year that he hasn't been. 
uh, in the playoffs. So, yeah, the expectation is that he is going to lead. And if you're Evans, if you're Levante David, and you've been around here and you haven't been winning, of course you're going to be listening at this point. For Cameron Braid, who's been around uh, for a while, and, and some of these other players that have been around for four or five years, Ali Marpet, Donovan Smith, as you go down the list, of course they're going to gravitate to Tom Brady. You know, I think this defense, while it did play well at the end of last year, is still depending an awful lot upon some very young players in that secondary. And just because they played very well at the end of last year doesn't mean that that automatically carries over. They're going to have to continue to mature, especially in that secondary. But you look at what JPP brought to this team last season. And to me, in watching when he came back, it's like the entire defense you know, just went up like four or five levels. And it was his energy. Uh, he held people accountable. He was able to get through to guys to say, okay, this is the way we need to play. How key is he this season to continue to get that defense to play at the level that it did at the end of last season? It's a great question. And you look at his story last year, and I don't think that we can exaggerate it, that we overuse, Al, uh, in all forms and fashions, words like incredible, unreal, uh, unbelievable gets way overused. But for a guy to have had a fractured neck in the offseason and basically not be able to participate in any of the offseason OTAs, didn't participate in the original training camp and preseason to ramp up the season, finally got cleared about September to begin working out uh, and be ready to play. And he jumps in in game one in Nashville, in Tennessee. And on the first series that he's in, I think it was the second play that he was in, he gets a sack of Ryan Tannehill, got another sack later in that game, finished with whatever it was, seven or eight sacks in, in one half the season last year. And you're right, as a compliment to Shaq Barrett on the other end, uh, the, the Bucks had quite the one-two punch. And, and players, so you talk about, again, players gravitating to things. Players are going to gravitate to somebody like that laying it on the line. I mean, you can talk about the health risk, uh, but the doctors cleared him. He elected not to have the next surgery, which would have ended the season. Incredible. As incredible as anything that I have seen doing this for going on 20 years with this team, to see that guy come back from injury and play at that high a level with no training camp, no nothing to step in and play that way, physical freak, like uh, Bruce Arians kept saying out. I absolutely agree with you there. Uh, overall, the job that, and again, I was as big a critic as anybody uh, early in the season, last season, and even into the middle of the season, when you started to look at the way that this roster had been put together and so many draft picks, um, you know, going to defensive backs. And, you know, to me, it had the feeling of Jason Light just put this thing together with a shovel. You know, and I was a critic there. But as they started to get their act together and as they started to play well, especially at the end of the season, I could see what he's done. And I think, you know, uh, it would have been very easy for the Glazers to decide to make a change. And but I think it's good that they listen to the head coach, Bruce Arians, and say, hey, listen, I know this guy. I know how he works. I know I've got his ear. He knows what I want in players. Uh, how about your thoughts on the job that Jason Light has done in putting this franchise together and getting ready 
to make a real run here? Well, it, it's always, uh, in general terms, easiest to bash the GM, the head coach, the quarterback in the NFL. And that has gone on in this market. I, I came to this market 37 years ago now. And all the conversation w- was you didn't need Doug Williams because he was going to the USFL. And the, and the team that year won all four preseason games in 1983. And all the talk was, and this is uh, the infancy of sports radio, which didn't really exist. There was no internet, but when you listened uh, to radio shows, when you read the newspaper, the St. Pete Times, the then St. Pete Times, and the Tribune, all the talk, all the letters to the editor was the team's ready to win. Well, when everything went south, they wanted to kill John McKay. They wanted to kill the throwing some Owen Jack, Jack Thompson. The team went 0-9 to start that 83 season, right down the toilet uh, that year. So, again, whether it was Rich McKay as the GM, uh, Bruce Allen after that, uh, on and on, uh, down the list, Mark Dominic making the picks. If the team if the team is winning, then the GM looks like the smartest guy for all the moves that were made. Sure, there have been swings and misses by Jason Light. But what I asked uh, rhetorically, but fans, I'm looking right at you. Mike Evans, that a lot of teams passed on before the Buccaneers grabbed him in the middle of that uh, in the middle of that uh, draft in 2014. How does that pick look right about now? Devin White, uh, I think, is going to be a rock in the middle of this defense, and he could have drafted three or four other guys besides Devin White uh, with that pick. How does Chris Godwin look? And I know I'm only dwelling on guys that are succeeding, but Ali Marpet looks like a fantastic 10-year or more offensive lineman as a former uh, Division Three player. So Jason White has some hits. And here's the most important thing. You lure Bruce Arians. And by luring Bruce Arians a year later, you're able to lure Tom Brady. I think that was a humongous selling point, not just on the roster, but the head coach. And, and again, the Light-Arians relationship, them having each other's back, huge, huge with ending up with, with Tom Brady out of all of this. So, uh, again, he would be the first one to tell you that there have been draft picks that have not worked out. But if you are winning, you can get away with that song. So now let's see if the team begins to win, and then we'll, we'll talk more about uh, light selections. We're talking with T.J. Reed from the Buccaneer Radio Network. I just have a few more questions. I want to riff a little bit here with you and have some Please. Um, you go to every game. You're on the road all the time with this team. Your favorite place on the road, your favorite road stadium, to watch a game, to watch the Bucks to report from? That is a great question. So we regularly go in the division, obviously, to Atlanta, Charlotte, and New Orleans. In New Orleans, I enjoy being there. The French Quarter had the privilege of being there probably 25 times in my life for work or for fun or for whatever. Really cool to be at Lambeau Field. And Al, you've been there yeah. because you, you worked for a long time in this marketing TV and on Buccaneers Radio yourself where you can't convey to the fans how neat, how nostalgic it is that you're driving around in a neighborhood in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and like you turn left, and there is Lambeau Field in the middle of a neighborhood with all these single-story houses that are everywhere. That place is iconic. To know that Lombardi uh, patrolled the sidelines in the 60s uh, for the Green Bay Packers uh, and all the history and the, and the nostalgia, that place is really cool. And then you go to a place like the Cowboys Stadium, AT&T Stadium in Jerry's World, and it's like you're at an amusement park with how massively big that is. So you're always – fascinated i was with one of the uh the young buccaneer multimedia employees uh, a female and we were about to walk out and i knew her background her background had been working at the university of georgia in the sec in athens at sanford stadium she would go on the road uh to brian denny stadium at alabama 
to, uh, to Knoxville, et cetera. And I said to her before we walked out of the tunnel, I said, you think you've been in big stadiums, don't you? You have been in 90,000 seat stadiums. Wait until you walk out of this tunnel. And I want to watch your reaction when we walk out of this tunnel. And walked out and I looked at her and she went, holy cow. I had looking around at how big that place is. So, again, Jerry's World, fascinating. You've, you've got the nostalgia of, uh, of Lambeau. It's going to be neat to go to some of these newer stadiums like the Las Vegas one. God willing that everything holds together and we go all the places we're supposed to go. We're going to see that new stadium in Vegas that they just built with the Raiders uh, on a Sunday night. Uh, so this uh, that'll be neat to go and experience. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. If I, if I had to rank the one that we regularly go to, it's probably New Orleans. Sorry, Atlanta. Sorry, sorry Charlotte. Faves, probably Lambo one. I'll go Jerry's World 2. Bucks have had a ton of success at Arrowhead. We've been to Arrowhead like three times, and every time we've been there, we've won. So it's a, it's a great tailgating atmosphere. It's supposed to be the loudest crowd, but the defending champion Chiefs got nothing on the Buccaneers all the time. I can tell you that. I love being on the road in the National Football League, and the food, uh, just back me up here, uh, the food is absolutely incredible. Any city. In the NFL, right. I, they try to outdo each other, and the Bucks are as good as anybody because at halftime, they have the most incredible. At least they used to. Uh, are they still serving the bananas, Foster, at halftime? I believe it is. I believe it is not every game. And again, I'm not in the press box, so I don't get to enjoy that. But uh, I, my understanding is it's at least some of the time that it is there because uh, there was a little while when it when it went away, and then there were many complaints about that. But yeah. It, let's just say this. There's a reason why the Super Bowl is coming back here again, which would be the third time in the new stadium. The press accommodations inside of Raymond James Stadium and the job that the staff and everybody that's involved uh, with that, because you go to a lot of these other ones um, and, and it's cramped depending on where it is. It's spread out. The food is in a totally other area from where you are trying to watch the game or do your job uh, up, up in your work area, the press box. So, again, we're going kind of inside baseball here, inside football, if you want, uh, for, for what happens at Raymond James Stadium. But those, those accommodations were built in mind with big events, Super Bowl in mind, uh, college football playoff championship game, Outback Bowl in mind. How do we accommodate the most media and the food? Yes. Uh, excellent. Um, I will say this, too, having gone to Seattle last year, and you spent a lot of time. You're from there. Yeah. Uh, you know this. That, that place is as bonkers as it gets. Um, and it is some scene that is there at uh, – what, what, what is that now? It's not Questfield anymore, whatever they call it, uh, in Seattle, in downtown Seattle. We were there a year ago for another overtime game where Russell Wilson broke the Bucks' hearts uh, yet again. But that, that's some atmosphere as well. I would still put Lambeau and AT&T Stadium in front of the Seahawks Stadium downtown, although that's some kind of atmosphere. You know, the cool thing about Lambeau is you're very right. To me, it's like driving in a neighborhood in Largo. And all of a sudden, you turn a, a corner, and there's Lambeau Field. And as yep. far as Seattle's concerned, um, if you're there in September and the sun is out, it's a beautiful 70-degree day, chances are, and you can see the Olympic Mountains, you know, right from the stadium. And it's just yep. a beautiful setting, uh, setting and really a fun, fun place to watch a National Football League game. All right. Uh, thank you so much, T.J. Reeves. I so appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Here on the very first show, you were the first guest 
starting off. I'm, I'm the answer to a trivia question. Yes. I don't know what that's. I don't know what that's worth down the road. You'll have to tell me down the road if that you know if I'm on the back of a of a card or something. Yeah, you you put the bat signal up, and I said, my man Al Keck and I go back almost thirty years. Are we that old? Yes. You're not that old. Can I be that old? No, you're not. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold something up here for you. This is there's old, and you've got your son coming on. There's old, and how well can you see? Then there's twelve year old twins old. So there we go. I'm feeling older all the time, but Riley and Abby are hanging in there. They're ready for the NFL season and for the school year and all of that. So thank you. Thank you for the invite. And to all of the Buccaneer fans, hang in there. Stay safe. We don't know right now. Just take it day by day and week by week on when and where and how we get Buccaneer NFL football. Looking forward to it, Al. All right. Thank you so much, TJ. I appreciate it. And uh, stay safe and healthy. And we're looking forward to those great reports once they get back to playing football. You bet. All right, T.J. Reeves from the Buccaneer Radio Network. So much fun talking with him, going way back with T.J. Reeves. By the way, some other news today around the uh, National Football League, and it involves a former Buccaneer, and it's going to be interesting to see where this goes from here. Remember Deshaun Jackson, all right? He stepped in it big time. Major repair mode after an anti-Semitic post that he made that was attributed to Hitler, okay? Jackson used a quote where Hitler said, and I quote here, white Jews will blackmail America. They will extort America. Now imagine where this country is. Imagine what Drew Brees went through with his comments. Going to be very interesting to see how the world and how the National Football League and how everybody, the media, will treat uh, Deshaun Jackson with those comments and what he will have to go through. Now, he says he's very sorry. Uh, He was very contrite in his apology. He said he had no idea that uh, the quote from Hitler (laughs) meant what it meant. I don't know how he could get that mixed up. And he probably should not have used anything from Hitler. Imagine that finally using some common sense there. Eagles are not happy. The NFL is not happy. And again, Drew Brees has to be thinking, let's see how long Jackson has to deal with this, uh, especially when Brees certainly got caught up in a mess with a couple of comments that he made. All right, let's talk more stuff. NFL, my son, Kyle Keck is joining us live from just outside Chicago. Quick story about Kyle. And we do have him on the line, right? Perfect. Okay. Here. Now, okay, good job, my man. Uh, <laughs> here I am. I'm going to introduce you the proper way, okay? Uh, one of the very few perks, and there aren't a whole lot of perks, to having me as a dad is that I used to take him with me whenever I could. And he, of course, was a huge sports fan, even as a little guy. And as early as 10 years old, I would take him with me to Buccaneer training camp. Now, at that time, the Buccaneers moved their training camp up to Disney. So I would be up there for the better part of the entire training camp, and I would just stay there. And so I took him with me. He was 10 years old. Now, if you know Kyle, and many of you guys do, Kyle is like 6'8", you know. And even back then at 10 years old, he was bigger than most adults <laughs> at 10 years old. So we basically made him a Sherpa 
You know, uh, the Buccaneers had no idea how old he was. He just carried stuff around for us. And he was there with me every day of every year of Buccaneer training camp for years while they were at Disney. And it was a great time for us because, you know, it's one-on-one. We just really had a good time. And it was a blast. And it was a great bonding time for us. But one year, in fact, it might have been one of the very first years. Again, he's, you know, 10 maybe. Our room wasn't ready. And so uh, our room was going to be ready the next day. So they just put us in a temporary room. And we actually uh, had to share a bed that night. And so next day, we're at Buccaneer training camp talking with all the guys around the media. I'm introducing him to, you know, all the reporters and and uh, all the photographers. And I explained the situation. And I said, uh, yeah, we had to share a bed last night. And I, he started to spoon with me. <laughs> and so all the guys, you know, their ears just lit up. And here's a, here's a time now that they could really give him a bad time. And from that point on, his nickname throughout his years at Buccaneer training camp was Spooner. <laughs> You'll never let me live that one down, huh? No, it was hilarious. Uh, because if you were to run into them today, that would be what they'd call you. For the record, was not spooning. Okay. Just want to make sure that's clear. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if that's what you're saying. But, you know, the cool thing is, my man, you saw about as much firsthand in Buccaneer history at that point, especially in a year when they're going to a Super Bowl and everything else, as much as anybody has. And you had a front row seat. Uh, throughout those years, and you just lapped it up. Yeah. I mean, I was, um, <clears throat> I mean, that is one of the big perks of having you as a dad. Uh, there's plenty of other perks. Make sure uh, you know that. But um, I, yeah, I was so lucky to be able to hang out there um, back when they would do training camp at Disney at Celebration. Um, one of the, one of the best stories that I have from being able to, to do that was, um, outside of all the the labor that I was doing as a child and not getting paid for, um, also, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was uh, I, I'd be able to hang out at the press conferences, and so I'd sit in the back of most of them um, more than anything, just to assist one of the photographers, uh, make sure he had batteries handy, stuff like that. But but one in specific, um, I was hanging out on the side. The photographer didn't really need me for much, so I was more just hanging out, enjoying watching John Gruden, Rondé Barber, all these, all these big names that I looked up to so much as a Bucks fan, as a kid, uh, do their press conferences. And, and while I'm hanging out, um, in the back, um, in walks Joey Galloway, who at the time was the Bucks top wide receiver, uh, was probably the most underrated receiver in the league at the time he was going, he, he was going bananas that year. And, um, he, he's sitting there, he's, he's next to go to the podium, his PR guy standing there with him. Um, and he kind of looks at me, he winks at me, says hi. And, and that to me was enough. You know, that's all I needed to just be recognized by Joey Galloway at the time. Uh, but what gets better is, it, again, I'm like 10, 11 years old. Um, another uh, another woman, I don't know, I can't remember if she was a reporter or, or, or somebody. Uh, she was an attractive woman. She walks past uh, the two of us. We're standing in a hallway. He's on one side of the, of the doorway. I'm on the other. The hallway's open. She walks through the hallway. Um, and Joey looks at her, looks at me. She walks past double takes, look at her, looks at her again and proceeds to look back at me and says, 
one day you'll understand. <laughs> well, and again, when you think about the fact that uh, the Glazers were not afraid to have incredibly good-looking interns and beautiful women around all the time, I can certainly see how Joey Galloway, uh, his attention uh, may be uh, – turned in that way. All right, let's talk about the National Football League. What are some of the things that you have? Of course, everyone's talking about the Mahomes deal, and uh, you're up in Chicago. First of all, what are people in Chicago? Because the Bears and the Buccaneers have a history, obviously, with mm-hmm. all those years in the uh, NFC Central. What do Bear fans think about the fact that Tom Brady is going to be playing for the Bucs? I, I mean, they are. I, I've heard plenty of people being excited i've heard a lot of bears fans be excited that tom brady's going to be a buccaneer um but there are a handful that are a little salty that the the bears weren't able to find a way to get him there especially with the quarterback controversies that they're having uh with mitchell trubisky and now they bring in nick Foles. uh but the biggest thing the biggest issue that that i've been hearing is is the fact that mahomes has been the quarterback that he's been and the bears traded up to pick number two to draft Mitchell Trubisky when Mahomes was drafted after him, Deshaun Watson was drafted after him. Um, and if you know Chicago sports fans, you know that they are, they're wailing at that. Um, they are, they're hurting. Uh, there are a couple of Mitchell Trubisky stands up here who believe he's still the guy, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes this year with the competition with Nick Foles. But, but it, it, it's almost a daily thing of, of hearing the Bears fans up here talk about, could have had Mahomes. Hmm. Man, how about any COVID stories from up there? Are you hearing anything? Yeah, so I've been hearing uh, a couple of. I, I've got two COVID-related uh, stories that I've been hearing. Uh, the first one uh, comes from, I believe it was two days ago. It was a tweet um, from Pro Football Talk, and uh, it had to do with Philip Rivers had uh, talked with the NFLPA, the Players Association, and had asked the question. If in Super Bowl week, the week leading up to the Super Bowl, the two teams that are there ready to play, if a player such as Philip Rivers were to test positive for for coronavirus in that week, what would be what what would happen? What would be the the plan of action there? And from what I've been seeing of what the NFLPA came out with, if in that scenario, there's two scenarios. One, if they show symptoms. So, so they're actually enduring the symptoms of the, of the coronavirus. Um, they have to sit out. Um, let me see here. They have to sit out here at least 10 days. So they have to go 10 days if they show symptoms um, without j- just quarantining themselves 10 days. Um, after that, they have to spend an, at least 72 hours um, to then show if they're showing symptoms or not. And then they have to pass 24 hours after the 72 hours. So what would that be? Four days after the 10 days, they would then have to uh, pass a test. So essentially, if you show symptoms in that week of the Super Bowl, then you're basically not going to be able to play. Mm, mm, mm. On the other hand, if you are asymptomatic and you don't show symptoms, so say you test positive on the Monday of Super Bowl week, games on the on the coming Sunday. If you test uh, if you test positive, but you're asymptomatic, you have to go five days of at least five days of nothing. You know, you're away from the team, you're, you're quarantined, um, and then, uh, test negative 
24 hours after that twice. So basically you would have to go five days, Monday to Friday, being away from the team. Uh, 24 hours later on Saturday, you would then have to test negative. And then right before the game, you would have to test negative again. So, I mean, we talk so much about just trying to get this team going as far as training camp and regular season games. Once it gets to postseason play, you know, that's going to be even more crucial to see how healthy everyone's going to be. And again, that's going to come at a time when the weather's cold and you would Mm -hmm. think that the flu season and all the other things going on uh, could be, uh, you know, even, you know, more difficult. And so we haven't even begun to think about, you know, what could happen to a team that has great Super Bowl potential and Super Bowl dreams. All it takes is one offensive lineman or, you know, not even the quarterback, but the number one receiver or the number one linebacker to come down with symptoms and how can it, that can completely derail any chance for a team to win a Super Bowl. That's the type of stuff, you know, we're going to have to deal with. Uh, yeah. If, if one person tests asymptomatic, you know, on that Monday, odds are, you know, there's going to be multiple other players that are, are going to test either asymptomatic or symptomatic in that time, because, you know, they test on Monday you know, I'm unsure of what the testing is going to look like in the playoffs, if they're going to have these guys tested every single day or if it's every other day or what it's going to look like. But if on that Monday someone tests either symptomatic or asymptomatic, odds are you're going to have at least a couple of other players or maybe coaches uh, that are that are testing positive as well, which then could delay on whether they're going to be able to play in the in the Super Bowl or not. So it, it begs the question, is this year, if we're able to go through the whole year, and make it through the playoffs, get to the to the Super Bowl. If we have a couple players test positive, big name players, you know, if, if Brady tests positive, if Gronk, uh, if an offensive lineman, defensive player, we look at other teams, if Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or or even running backs or or some a player like that, will the 2020 season, regardless of who wins, will have a huge asterisk on it? Hmm. That's- that's a question to, to to wonder, especially in offseason that we saw so many big moves, so many big contracts going into the 2020 season. Will this season have a huge asterisk on it to where people will say they won in 2020, but did they act like was it actually a true championship? Mm. Um, Buccaneer fans would just like to get to that point and believe <laughs> now, we are so focused on simply getting to the regular season, getting through training camp, if there isn't, if there even is a preseason, that we have not been able to allow ourselves to go that far to even think about that. Thank you very much, my man. And uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You're going to be with us every week. I look forward to having you and just uh, having you with me and uh, enjoying this together. Uh, I so appreciate it. I miss you and I love you. And can't wait to have you next week. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. All right, my man, you take care, and we'll be talking soon. All righty. We'll see you. Thank you for having me on. Okay, my son Kyle Keck talking about what's going on in the National Football League. Now, we know that Tom Brady is the GOAT. We know about his Super Bowls. We know about his history. Uh, We know he's about to turn 43 years old. Uh, Does he still have the arm strength needed, especially in an offense like this? Everybody has an opinion. We've talked about it ad nauseum for months upon for month upon month. We finally want to see this guy in a Buccaneer uniform and out there practicing. 
But what does it say in the stars? We've looked at everything else. We might as well look at this. Joining us now, the star babe, astrologer, Janet her on Tampa TV. You've heard her on Tampa radio. Now, I've done this to you before, but <laughs> I just want to know right now, how's it look for Tom Brady and the stars? <laughs> I love Tom Brady. I think he's the best get ever. Um, I'm, I'm sorry we don't have Winston for a backup quarterback. Um, however, I would take Tom Brady over just about anybody in the planet. I can't think of anybody, any other quarterback that I would rather have. And I think Bruce Arians is the one that really feels that way because he's a Libra. Tom Brady is a Leo. Um, Bruce Arians got a moon in Aries. Tom Brady's got a moon in Aries. These guys are cut from the same competitive piece of cloth. These guys all, they both want to do really, really well. They both are very, very competitive. And neither one of these guys is known for quitting. Um, I, so I get the biggest kick out of seeing these guys together. So, yeah, I think that, I think Tom Brady is all that and a bag of chips. So, I don't think he's injured. I don't think, I don't think the Patriots let him go because he's injured. I think there was some kind of pissing contest that happened between Bill Belichick and Gronkowski that started it. And I think it had a lot to do with the way, the way, um, Tom Brady views the world of health and, and, and his philosophy on, being 43 and being a quarterback in this type of a league, you know, going up against kids that um, he, they probably played peewee football, you know, when he was first starting. So I, I think that, I think that that was the problem that led to those guys separating. I think Gronk went first because it started out over him because he was way more injured. So um, I think he, I think he's going to surprise us all to tell you the truth. I think he's going to, and I think he's going to fit great with Bruce Arians system. So okay. I'm, as far as personalities are concerned. Yeah, they get along great. They get along like peas and carrots. They do. Aries, I mean, um, they both have the same moon sign. So emotionally, they're on the same page. Um, Libras and Leos get along great. I mean, they just get along great. Um, where, where Libras do not get along so much with Capricorns, which is what our last quarterback was. Um, you know, that was part of the problem there. Those energies just didn't really blend well. Oh, so that explains it. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually it. That was the reason. Oh my God. You know, and, and I gotta tell you, we've done well. We have done well with Libra coaches. We have. I mean, Tony Dungy was our last Libra coach, you know, and he's the last guy that, you know, did a, I mean, John Gruden, yeah, won a Super Bowl. Um, no doubt about it, but I will always feel that he, you know, he built that team on Tony Dungy's stuff and the players there. So, but I th I think that that Tom Brady is going to, I think we're going to get what we pay for with him. You know, which is a really cool thing. And I, and I, and I, it's so funny looking at it because I actually went to a football game to see what does Tom Brady have? I actually went to, to one of the preseason games. I wanted to see what this guy does that nobody else does. And he's got Mercury, the planet of communication in the sign of Virgo. Um, you're a Virgo. I'm a Virgo. We notice everything. We're very detail oriented. We're very quick to pick stuff up. And I watched him at the line of scrimmage and that guy gets to one Mississippi and the ball's gone. You know, where where the Capricorn or less Capricorn quarterback would take the ball and look and look and look and look and look and look and finally, you know, get get clobbered. But Brady goes, no, one Mississippi ball's gone. You know, and, and I I think Bruce Arians goes, I like that plan. I really do. I think that I think that he and Brian Leftwich will get along well uh, because Brian Leftwich has a, um, a moon in Sagittarius, which is a fire sign also. Um, although I got to tell you, Tom Brady is going to go. Listen, um, I, I know that you're the offensive coordinator, and and and, but I'm Tom Brady, you know, and I have still these Super Bowl rings, and I know, yeah, you've been to the dance, but I think that would be the only bone of contention with that. But I think Brian Leftwich having a moon in Sagittarius will go okay, if, you know, for winning games, I don't care, it makes me look good. So. Wow.
Now, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to brag about you a little bit because you now the people that are watching this right now, chances are they don't remember when yeah. we were together years Our ago. Past. I remember before the – and now get this, you guys. Okay. This is before the 1999 season. Okay. Tony was coaching. Uh, I'm doing buck coverage on TV and radio and the whole bit. And I asked Janet before the season to look at all the teams in the NFL and to tell me what team is going to be the surprise team. And she says, get this, 1999, she says, it'll be the Rams. Now, the Rams are oh, yeah. a 4-12 and 12 season. <laughs> and we're doing this yeah. going into the season opener. And they had just lost their starting quarterback to injury. Yet Janice says, oh, uh, you know, without a doubt, okay, it's going to be the Rams. The Rams are going to have a big year. And I'm thinking to myself, well, uh, so much. Good luck with that, right? (laughs) For this segment. But we saw what happened, okay? They went on and won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. Jupiter was in Aries. I have an explanation for that. Jupiter was in Aries. Um, and, and, and the Rams, their symbol is Aries. Um, and Georgia Frontier, the chick that owned it at the time, she believed in astrology and she wouldn't sign any contracts when Mercury, the planet of communication, was retrograde. And she made no bones about it. Said, nope, Mercury's retrograde. I'm not going to do it. Literally, you know, and I, you, you got to like, you know, something that works. So I, I got the biggest kick out of that. Well, you nailed that. Now, yeah. last year. The Super Bowl is at Raymond James Stadium. Ah, my favorite story. I love it. It is Baltimore and the Giants. And before the game, I did a story with you again saying, okay, let's look at all the players in this Super Bowl. Who's going to have the biggest day? And you said, Trent Dilfer. Yeah. Have night of his life. That was a Moon-Venus conjunction, and he was a Pisces, literally overhead in Tampa Stadium. And you actually, you actually did a TV piece yes. on it and showed showed that Moon Venus conjunction in the sky, and <laughs> and on with your story. So, and he, you know, he didn't win the MVP, but he was the story of that Super Bowl. They won, and, yeah. I mean, he won a world championship. Yeah, and yeah. it was it was such a big story because here he is coming home to the Tampa, you know, to Tampa, and ends up winning a Super Bowl here, and so for. Everyone not knowing their grade from a uh, yeah 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 yeah. a planet, you know yeah. uh, She nailed it. Yeah, last last year, um, I was I was on ninety eight Rock, and uh, they asked me at the beginning of the year who I thought was you know going to do something, and I went San Francisco Forty Niners because their because their head coach was a Sagittarian, Jupiter was in Sagittarius, and I actually got laughed out of the studio. You know, because um, that that was they had just gotten rid of. They had just gotten their new quarterback that the Patriots kind of threw away, you know, and they hadn't done very much. And they, you know, he wasn't really known for being a fabulous quarterback. And, and they laughed at me, literally said all these other teams were going to be there. I was like, OK. And no one was sadder than I was when um, San Francisco lost the Super Bowl because I predicted they were going to win it. And I just didn't think they would stop playing in the fourth quarter. So. Well, OK, <laughs> so. You've seen yeah. what it looks like for Tom Brady this year as far as his astrological signs. Yeah. What's it look like? What's it look like? What's he going to do? Um, and I, I, I think he's going to impress us all. I think he's. I think that having a quarterback that can, number one, not throw interceptions um, and make a good number of his passes is all that team needed to really go and be playing in January. I don't want to go out on a limb and go, oh, yeah, they're going to win the Super Bowl, but 
I tell you what, they're amazing in December and January. That's Bruce Arians' favorite time of year to shine. So I have a lot of, I have a lot of faith and confidence in, in all of them. I have, I have faith and confidence that Gronkowski is going to do a good job. You know that he's going to step up. Um, I think that because Tom Brady um, is a Leo, that Mike Evans is also a Leo's, and he's got Mercury and Leo, so they have a good communication. Because your quarterback and your really, we we try to pick. I was surprised at how many, how much Leo energy was running around the joint here. You know, I really was. You pick people who you you have an understanding with. They remind you of you. Is is what you do, and I have to laugh because. Bill Belichick got rid of, um, you know, Tom Brady, who was a, a Leo, um, and the, the quarterback that he picked, not Cam Newton, but the other guy, um, is a Leo. So he's like, ooh, the new Tom Brady. And those guys are like three days apart. You know, one is is August 8th, which is Jareth, the quarterback for, yeah. Yeah. And, and Tom Brady is October is um, August 3rd. You know, I thought that was kind of interesting. So you, according to what you've seen on the chart. yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's injured. I think he plays really well. As long as we got a big guy in front of him, that'll at least slow the line down and let him get to one Mississippi. Yeah, I think Bruce Aaron, because usually when I predict the outcome of, of sporting events, I've learned the quarterback can have a bad day um, or the quarterback can have a great day. The running backs can have a great day um, and the kicker can have a crummy day. You know, and that happened one time with the Bills, you know, where both co both coaches were the same Zodiac sign, both quarterbacks were the same Zodiac sign, both running backs and I didn't look at the kicker and that's when like, the ball hit the, um, the uprights and, you know, fell off. So, um, but I look at the coach and see, because I coach myself and I know that after a game that we lose, I'm the one that's unhappy. My girls could care less. They're going out eating ice cream, you know, onto the next thing. And I'm the one going, God, why did I send that runner? Why did I call that play? So I've learned to look at the coach after the game, but if the coach is happy, they had a good game. If the coach is unhappy. They probably lost. So looking at that, I think Bruce Arians is really happy with the way this team comes together. If the season goes the way the way I hope it goes, that we actually play and, and it actually goes forward and all that stuff. And I was thinking, I heard your, you know, the early part of your conversation about go, wow, what happens at the end of the season? You know, if players test, you got some old coaches here. They are right in the demographic of uh, people that get really sick from coronavirus. And what happens if your head coach gets that? is my bigger concern for a Super Bowl rather than, I mean, you got 22 players on a team, for God's sake. You only have one coach or, or your offensive coordinator or anybody like that. That would be my much bigger concern would be keeping my staff healthy than my players so much. All right. Janet Skielis, uh, I'm <laughs> going to come to you throughout the season. and uh, I want to do a fantasy football thing. Okay. I, have, I have the dates of birth of everybody involved here. You know, I have the dates of birth of all of them. You know, oh. it's very easy to look it up and see. Um, I think the Bears, by the way, I think the Bears are playing in January. I heard the earlier part of your conversation. Um, and their quarterback, Nick Foles, is that the Bears quarterback? Right. Yeah, he's an Aquarian. Jupiter goes into Aquarius in December for the first time in 12 years. It's their best year in 12. So I'm not saying they will win the Super Bowl, but I think they're playing. Because that's what I kind of get down to. Who's playing in January and whose season is done in December? You know, that that's the big thing to determine. Who's going to make it to the playoffs? So, all right. Well, uh, I'm going to go to. I'm going to come to you here throughout the season. Oh, please do! It's my favorite thing in the world to do. I I love sports. And we'll I love sports fun. talk, and it's fun. And I don't, but I don't bet on games because I can't take the anxiety. Well, no, but still, you can come <laughs> up with some neat uh, fantasy uh, advice. Fantasy. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's that's what started all this. Is a friend of mine plays fantasy. You know, like has a fantasy football thing, and he was getting down to you know, which players does he pick? And he literally called and said, Jan, if you were me, which, you know, who would you pick? And I was like, okay, give me their dates of birth. 
And one, I think the first time I picked him was Matt Staub. And he a quarterback. He was an unknown quarterback at the time because this was. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. 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 And there was another Matt that same year. Um, But they were sleepers. Nobody knew about it. It was like, well, these guys are going to have good years. And so, you know, that's how it started with fantasy football. I mean, if you're trying to figure out who you're going to play on Sunday and you have a choice of two or three guys, you want the guys that's going to have the best game. Which guy is going to be happiest after the game? You know, and I, the only thing I, I can't do the over under thing, which is why I don't bet. I can't take the anxiety of placing a bet. I, I, I had predicted that Eli Manning was going to win a, a Super Bowl. And, and it was the one that he won in the last like minute and a half of the game where he's running around, scrambled around, forward, backward, flea flickers, all kind of passes. And I had to leave the room because my heart was pounding so much because I wanted to be right. Not that you know, I didn't really care who won, but I won. I'm a Virgo. You're a Virgo. We like to be right. We like to be right. Yes. <laughs> I have some ex-wives I can tell you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We like to be right. You know, we like to be right. So. All right, my dear. Thank you. All so right. I was a pleasure. And good luck on your show. I'm very excited. Thank you very much. So you- people want to know, they can get me at, at um, stargoddess.com okay. or Janice Gialis. They can find me. Not a lot of astrologers in the world. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> if you ask questions, they can, uh, they can. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I want to have oh, you. On- can I give a plug? They can call me on 98 rock on Monday mornings between seven and nine 30. We okay. take phone calls then. So, and we love sports there too. Okay. Very good. Janet. Thank- All righty. Thank you so much, Al, sweetie. Good luck. Okay. Thank you. Good seeing you. All right. So for the 4th of July week, uh, many of you know that I wrote a Bucks column on how fortunate I feel to have lived and have worked here for a long, long time. And I've had the honor of doing sports here since 1988. And what I want to do at the end of every show is just have and share with you a couple of memories, maybe one specific memory or something from when I covered something or a game or I was in a place or you know, something like that during my career here. And tonight I want to go back to Super Bowl 25 in the old Tampa Stadium. And this was the very first sporting event that I had been to. And really the first sporting event overall where security was through the roof. Uh, The Gulf War was just about ready to wrap up. And nobody really knew what to expect during that time, especially with the major, you know, with the Super Bowl. And there was so much thought at that time about keeping everybody safe uh, during that. And uh, there was a security and a military presence around the old Tampa Stadium like I had never seen. And even though that's now a part of our life now, even back then, it was so surprising. Um, You know, I can't even begin to describe what it was like to even get into the game on that Super Bowl Sunday. And then the national anthem with Whitney Houston, which was easily one of the biggest moments of my life. And to be able to be there and witness that and watch that and take that in and the feeling that you had when she was singing that national anthem and the feeling of pride that we had as an American and as a country. And then you had the stealth bombers going right over the stadium, uh, coming up just from McDill, a handful of miles away. So when you look at that and the feeling that you had as an American and as a person, obviously we're very lucky to live where we do and how we live here. And that feeling of pride and that feeling of excitement and that feeling of being proud 
to be an American. And at the same time, now thinking back to where we are today. And today, as I was thinking about that, my wish was that someday very soon, we will get that feeling back. Who knows when that will be? Who knows what we'll have to do to put that together? But hopefully the process has started. And I would like nothing more than to have that feeling again at any sporting event or any place where I'm standing, to have that pride, have that excitement to be in America. Hopefully we can get that back again very soon. All right. My thanks to TJ Reeves. My thanks to my son, Kyle Keck. My thanks to Janet Scalis. Peter Blake was incredible here kind of walking me through this, getting me through this. We want to do this every single week as we get you ready for the National Football League season and for the entire Buccaneer schedule in what could be the most exciting, and no doubt about it, will be the most exciting season in Buccaneer history. Because every week, if they win, it will be the biggest story in the entire National Football League, no matter what anyone else is doing, because it's Tom Brady. If they lose, it'll be the biggest story in the National Football League uh, because of what's going on in the National Football League with Tom Brady. And we are right in the middle of all of this. And it'll be a fun football season. Keith Larson, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. We will see you next week, and we'll have more fun guests. I'm Al Keck, and have a great week, everybody. of Beach Realty. We're all about life on the beach. Stunning Panama City Beach and one of the most beautiful properties on the Gulf Coast. Shores of Panama. Radiant, elegant, and spectacular. Steps away from white sugar sand. Every room overlooks the turquoise of the Gulf of Mexico. Come in for your tour today. Life's a Beach Realty is your gateway to Shores of Panama. The Shores and a whole lot more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.